0: Well, hello, my friends. Uh, this episode of a Bird Hunter's Thoughts, turn them loose. We are going to talk about a hunt I just completed. In fact, I am on my way home. Um, I think it's important to point out a couple of things that happened on this hunt. I think they'd be instructive to the traveling bird hunter. So stay tuned, and we'll be back in just a minute. items you have to remember to bring with you on these hunts three important ones that uh, you should really give some consideration to are a high quality feed for your dogs because they will get puny after a couple of days if you're buying that stuff that's 20 bucks for 50 pounds and you want some ear attenuators to protect your ears Tradition. You want some good maps, good mapping. That's just three of the many items, but I found that for feed for your dogs, I feed Dr. Tim's, which is drtims.com, drtims.com. I feed Pursuit, and uh, I get it delivered uh, every three weeks. It's kind of like an auto ship kind of thing, and I am absolutely pleased with it. I have been feeding Dr. Tim's now for this entire bird season. My dogs eat it wet. They eat it dry. They gobble it up. None of them ever get off their feed, and it is an amazingly powerful dog food. So I encourage you to give them a look, drtims.com. For your attenuators, I use espamerica.com. Electronic shooters protection, form fit, custom ear attenuators. Uh, They fit in your ear, molded, fit in your ear, don't fall out, and are extremely comfortable. Um, I've been caught going out to dinner after the hunt without having taken them out because I just forget they're in there. Another good thing I like about them is that besides protecting my ears from any noises over 90 decibels, Another thing I like about them is that they have volume controls on the sides and I can actually turn those volume controls up or down whatever I want to do and now I can not only hear the birds flush which is always a good thing for a traveling bird hunter but I can hear my buddies talking about me behind my back so see that's always a good thing too but espamerica.com, give them a look for a custom-made map I use GAIA GPS and uh, they are, they and uh, Onyx are uh, competitors in that field. And uh, I used to use Onyx and I think they're a fine product. I use GAIA GPS because I have found I have less, less issues and it's very, very user friendly. I use the premium plan because of the overlays that I could put on there. I mean, they've got overlays for everything, wildfires, how what the uh, snow uh, pack is, wherever you want to go. They've got everything, and uh, so I pick and choose. Uh, typically, when I hunt, I'll use the public land overlay, the private land overlay, the satellite overlay, and, of course, the general map, roadmap overlay, and uh, I'll make them brighter or dimmer as the need arises, and uh, it only takes a few seconds, but GAIA GPS, if you go to w, uh, my uh, blog, birdhuntersthoughts.com, you can get it for 20% off. Just click on that link. Also, the uh, Dr. Tims has a uh, has a reduction in rate. I think it's 20, 20% also, and uh, if you forget to, if you don't want to go to my link, just type in the word flyboy as the coupon code and you'll get a discount for Dr. Timbs as well. So with all that commercial interruption over with, let's go ahead and get back to what we wanted to talk about. I just finished a two-week trip out to New Mexico and Arizona I just had one back in December as well, if you listen to the previous podcast. I went out again because the birds were plentiful in New Mexico this year and it was just it's just a fun place to hunt. In addition, I found out uh, through experience that it was a very good year for sand spurs, meaning there weren't many of them. So I did not have to boot my dogs every time I put them on the ground. Uh, and that just made for a pleasurable day in the field, even more pleasurable. I use inner tubes for boots, motorcycle inner tubes, and uh, we can talk about those later. Uh, If you go to abirdhuntersthoughts.com, my blog, and do a search for dog boots, I've actually put a video on there, not my video, I borrowed it, but it's on there, and it'll explain about motorcycle inner tubes and how they use them in Texas. Anything that's good in Texas is gonna work in New Mexico. So that's what I use, but I didn't have to this trip. So that just made it all that much nicer. I loaded up my camper. I took it out and stayed with some friends in New Mexico and hunted out of there. And uh, I did a different type of hunt this year. We'll talk about that in a minute. Did that for a week, and then I drove over to Patagonia, Arizona, which is south of Tucson, and I hunted Merri's quail and Gambles quail. Uh, I did harvest all three species of quail this year: blue quail, Gambles quail, and Merri's quail. Uh, so it was—it's been a good year down in the Southwest. So. I'd like to encourage you to visit my blog, uh, abirdhuntersthoughts.com, as well as to like, subscribe, and share the blog and the podcast. So we'll come back in just a few minutes, and uh, we'll delve into some of this stuff. I loaded up the Britney's in the back of the truck and uh, hooked up the camper and pulled out, headed for New Mexico um had an easy trip out uh it's just real easy i mean on i-20 you only have to avoid one big town and that's dallas so i pulled in there that night and spent the night with some friends of mine matthew and shelby and on the east side of dallas and i pulled out at five o'clock the next morning and the traffic was uh bearable there was traffic which surprised me and uh it was uh But was moving quickly, I got through town, and that's the best way that I found to do that. Um, Made it out to New Mexico, pulled into my other friend's house, and uh, Bobby and Amberly, and uh, stayed with them. I actually hooked my camper up to uh, some hookups they have out at their uh, man cave out behind their house, and so hunted out of there. I did something a little differently this year that I thought you might want to consider. The classic way that I would bird hunt out in this area is I would go and look for habitat, drive those caliche roads out there. The caliche is the rock that they make the roads out in the oil field uh, out of. Uh, So I would drive those caliche roads all day long, beating the tar out of my truck, and uh, find a nice piece of habitat. Uh, Then I would get out and I'd go look for some tracks, bird tracks. Uh, Finding those, I'd come back and put a couple of dogs out on the ground and make a big loop, maybe about an hour, hour and a half, something like that. And uh been successful doing that. That's a, a great way to hunt. Um, so Bobby uh, said, uh, hey, Randy, I bought this big Polaris four-seater uh, power steering, uh, whiz-bang suspension on it. He says, uh, why don't you tow that thing out into the oil field or out into where you're going to hunt and uh, back it off the trailer load your dog boxes, two dog boxes on the back and, uh, just go driving around with that. I'm thinking, nah, I don't know. I don't know. It just ain't the way we do it. But he talked me into it and, uh, I am a believer. Oh my gosh. Not, not only can you go everywhere, including any Sandy two track you see, which you'd never take your truck down. Although I have, but, uh, you get way back in places that, uh, Nobody with a truck would go, um, and and uh, just driving those roads is a pleasure because of the suspension on this thing. I, where you'd be doing five miles an hour, just getting beat to death and feeling sorry for your dogs, uh, you, can, you can motor right along at 20, 30 miles an hour with these things, and as long as they got the good suspension. I suspect that this was a pretty high-end model that Bobby bought because he's uh, first class at pretty much everything he does, so... But it was nice. It was nice of him to lend me that uh, machine. And I really got some good work on birds. Found some new areas. uh, Found some birds that I was pretty sure had never seen a hunter before. And that is a pleasure, folks, when you can get two dogs pointed on a 30 bird cover of blue quail and they get up within gun range. That is awesome. So we did kill some birds. My shooting was uh, above average for a change. Of course that always makes a trip nice and uh i enjoyed the hospitality of bobby and amberley uh, matthew and shelby came out and joined us and uh one he, he brought his own mule with him so we had two but uh the one i had had two bench seats uh on it we could have fit everybody on just that one mule but he had his so we performed the pincers movement on a uh a good area occasionally, and one of us coming in one way, one of us coming in the other way. And uh, you have to think tactics when you hunt these blue quail or even gambles quail, because those suckers will hear you coming and they will take off. So uh, we kind of we trapped them in the middle and uh, had a, a lot of successful hunting there. So once again, it was a great hunt in New Mexico. I left there after a day, I not mean, a day, a week, I guess, And uh, I had to leave the mule behind. I was going to take it with me. Bobby said, no way. So, uh, unfortunately, I had had to hook up my camper and head out. I got to, uh, let's see, I was going from New Mexico on over to Arizona, uh, Patagonia. And I got to the other side of El Paso, stopped for lunch, and uh, was heading out. And I got a... uh, through Las Cruces, and I, a guy came up behind me and uh, pulled over alongside me on the freeway, rolled down his window, was frantically pointing at my camper. So, <clears throat> you know, being a smart guy, I uh, looked in the mirror, and lo and behold, I was leaving a smoke trail behind me, um, which I thought was a dust cloud, but then I realized I was the only one leaving any dust clouds. So I pulled off the freeway, and by uh, one of my camper tires. I've got four or two axles. Uh, the one on the front left was, uh, it was hotter than a $3 pistol. I'm telling you, it was hot. Uh, no flames yet, but it was, uh, smoking. And so I let it cool off and tried to figure out what the problem was. Um, uh, I pulled off into, I, I got back in the truck, pulled it off in the next exit into a gas station. And, uh, asked them if they had a mechanic. Now, as luck would have it, this was on a Sunday, (laughs) as it always happens. This was on a Sunday before Martin Luther King birthday weekend. And, of course, that's a three-day weekend. And, uh, man, everybody was gone. They had no mechanic. And I was stuck. So why I think this was instructive, I called AAA. I've got a, a policy with them and uh, they said, oh, gee, we can tow you anywhere you want to go. I said, well, towing is not the issue here. Uh, I can tow. I said, uh, repairing my wheel on my camper is the issue, and they said, well, sorry, can't help you. Um, so, I left Loves, and I said, well, maybe it's just a dragging brake, so you know, I kind of banged on a little bit. It was cooling down. I went back towards Las Cruces, and there's a rest area there. You guys have probably seen it if you've been out this way. It's got a 20-foot-tall roadrunner at it, and uh, I pulled off in a really nice rest area, got kind of off to myself, went back and checked the brake again. It was hot again, so I didn't know what was going on. By this time, it was about 2 in the afternoon, and I started calling towing companies to find out if they had a mechanic. Uh, I called a couple, and they were closed or not interested, and finally I got hold of one said, we're going to send Bill Moser out there to you, and uh, he'll take the wheel off to see what you got. Bill showed up, nice guy, pulled the wheel off, jacked it up, pulled the wheel off, and it wasn't a stuck brake, which I thought it would be. It was a wheel bearing, and it was disintegrated. And he said, well, here's your problem. The uh, cotter pin backed out, allowed the castle nut to back off, and, of course, that uh, bearing there became unseated and uh, it just uh, came apart was what happened and it was just of course the friction there is incredible uh, especially when it's wobbling around i knew we had a problem when he took it off the ground and i could see the wheel moving and i reached over and kind of moved it and it went back and forth about eight inches so i i knew we had a problem at that point bill looked at me and he said tell you what he said i'm gonna um, i'm gonna take this thing apart because i'm interested to see what it was like and uh, so we pulled the wheel off, uh, he pulled the brake off, and, or the uh, outer wheel cover, and pieces started falling out of the bearings. He said, now this is this is not good. So uh, I pretty much diagnosed that part myself. But he said, listen, what I'll do is I get off work in a little while, I'm gonna go get some parts, and I'm gonna come back and repack that bearing for you, put the wheel back on, I think you'll be all right. You didn't drive too far, and uh, there's no scoring in there, and uh, I think that'll work. And, as luck would have it, he couldn't find the parts. I spent the night in the rest area, which out west you could do. He showed up at uh, seven o'clock the next morning with the parts, and, and I was on my way. to Patagonia, Arizona. So so what do you want to join? What do you want to take away from this? Well, let me tell you what. It's a helpless feeling when the only people out there can offer towing. Uh, you need a mechanic. Um, some of the things that I've decided to do is I wrote down the parts numbers for both the inner and the outer bearings of my camper, and I will go get all the parts that have them with me, uh, including a can of grease, and I can do all that myself, jacking it up, and uh, taking the tire off, taking the outer bearing off, and pulling everything out, and uh, going ahead and putting new bearings back in, if I have to, and it's not something I want to do. I've done it to my trailer. I've done it to uh, to my uh, utility trailer back at home. It's no big deal. It's just knowing what to do and getting the proper parts. So I'm going to carry those parts with me. Um, so that's one of the things I've learned. The other, other thing I've learned is That it's nice to know if uh, there's a mechanic available where you're traveling I'm not sure how to get around that issue Um, but those of you that are mechanically inclined I can fix everything and uh, be sure and take some parts with you for your bearings and stuff like that this was not a lack of um, having the bearings packed that have just come apart through lack of diligence on your part this was actually a malfunction of a part, and that was that cotter pin, uh, allowing the cast launch back off. So, you know, even no matter how conscientious you are about taking care of your items, uh, sometimes these things happen. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. Uh, it was a pretty helpless feeling, not knowing where I was going to find somebody to help. And uh, when Bill showed up, he's my newest best friend, I'll tell you that right now. So uh, moved on, and we went on to Patagonia. And, uh, it, uh, which is Merns Whale Central. And, uh, we'll come back in a minute and talk about that. When I go to Arizona to hunt Merns, I'll stay with my friend Wally in uh, Tucson. But, uh, this time he was out of town, uh, going to the SHOT Show in Vegas, So I pulled my camper over there, and I went to the Patagonia to stay. There is an RV park right in Patagonia. Um, I've never been able to get in there Um, the opening week it is. I think they make reservations a year in advance to get there. They can really pack your campers in there, too, but when I I go to the state park um, that's about uh, eight or ten miles out of Patagonia, towards Nogales, and it's in the mountains, it's on a lake. I've uh, got hundred and plus spaces, I don't know, 120, or 160, I don't know, it's a lot. And uh, it is beautiful, it is gorgeous, and uh, they charge the exorbitant rate of $27 a night. So that's where I went. I met some friends over there, Josh uh, and Josh, Josh 1 and Josh 2, and uh, they uh, met me there, and also uh, Steve was there, and he was using a tent to camp. Uh, and we hunted together for the next few days. What was memorable about this uh, Mern hunt was that uh, where I finished up the last one was seven coveys in three hours on a, you know, on a rainy day. In fact, we had to knock off at noon because of the rain, just because the roads are so nasty. Um, this time I went back, I, uh, they had never – well, they had been hunting merns there for a couple of days and actually had seen some, and I wanted to take them back to that same ridge and hunt that same area. And uh, so we got there and the next morning, and uh, I sent uh, Steve up one ridge, and we took the other one, and uh, I had Cap down on the ground, and uh, Josh, too, had his dog, a uh, big German shorthair, a nice dog and uh name was uh Titus and Titus and Cap took off up the ridge line and I figured man we're gonna be in birds all day just like before but uh as luck would have it of course uh we did not find any until we got to the very top of the ridge. Cap was hunting his heart out, Titus was doing a good job. I don't think we missed any. But uh we got to the very top of the ridge where the ridges all kinda of, kinda of come together. And I got the beep from Cap that he was on point, and, uh, oh, my gosh, he was about 150 yards down the next valley over uh, on point on a covey, And we had found that covey last time, too. And I knew exactly where they were. Uh, we started slipping and sliding down through the woods trying to get to this covey, And sure enough, they did the same thing. They heard us coming, and they could not hear us coming. And they flushed early. We got a couple of shots through the woods, kind of like a grouse hunt. Uh, We didn't knock anything down, but uh, the cap undeterred, he took off and started hunting and finding singles for us. And and, uh, we got some more shooting. It was really a pleasure. Um, We had to make the decision at that point that we were not going to climb back up that hill and go back down the valley our truck was in. We're going to walk around the outside of the uh, ridge I mean, we'll cross over the ridge when when we had to, you know, right out out of the truck. So it was kind of all new territory to me, and I thought it was great. We were walking down a uh, gully uh, further down past where Cap pointed. We got back down into a gully. Um, Interestingly, we saw traces of uh, illegal immigration through there. You see them backpacks, uh, shoes, water bottles. Why anybody want to leave a shoe? I don't know. But anyway, we see that a lot. We were walking down the watercourse when it was steep on uh, both sides. Um, there was a kind of a rock wall as we were walking downhill to the left of us, and it was solid rock, went up about 20, 25 feet. And on the right side, it was just sort of a rocky, sandy, steep uh, incline. And we were walking down where there was uh, there was actually some leftover water. Pools of water, but it was only about shoot 20 feet wide. Maybe we were walking down through there. I was keeping cap, keeping track of cap on the uh, on the astro or alpha, so I knew about where he was. He was up to the left. Then all of a sudden, one of the Joshes said, "Oh my God, look! <laughs> cap was coming down that rock face. It was vertical. It really wasn't 100% vertical. I would say it was probably 80 degrees at the top." About halfway, it went pure vertical, and uh, he was actually doing pretty good. Till he got about halfway, he was about eight or ten feet off the ground, and he was in the air. I mean, he hit the ground, and uh, luckily there was some brush down there. He hit the brush, glanced up, looked at me, said, "What are you guys stopping for?" Took off, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I guess he's okay." Well, uh, he really wasn't. Um, He was uh, running on three legs for the next hour and a half. Uh, We had no choice; we were going back to the truck anyway. And uh, he was running. He really didn't want to come in. He didn't even care. Pointed uh, three more singles on three legs. Uh, We got on down and uh, hopped over the ridge line back to the truck. And and, uh, I checked him over. uh, Pretty good. He had a couple. He had one puncture wound on his left rear leg. And that was the one he was holding up. And so I treated it with uh, chloro- I think that's what it is. Anyway, it's uh, antiseptic. And uh, he had a scrape on his uh, muzzle. I treated that too. Gave him a and where he put him back in the crate. And uh, I tell you, you, he's one tough dog. He really didn't want to come in. Uh, He didn't want to stop. So so the what, the reason I wanted to relay that was because uh, you just don't know what's going to happen out here. So have a vet on call, or at least have their vet number in your phone. Uh, in this case, uh, there were no broken bones, and he uh, was lame on that leg. It could be a number of things. So I was going to give him a day, check him out in the morning, and see what it was. Going on. We see what it looked like next morning. Uh, so we left, went back. It was uh, we were done with our hunt, so. Ended up with uh, I think two coveys, a couple singles, and uh, what I thought was going to be a seven covey day. But anyway, next morning we got up. Cap was still favoring that leg quite a bit, so I took him into the vet. And three hundred eighty-five dollars later, two X-rays, anesthesia, and all that stuff. I found out the little, little complaining faker had a had a uh, sprain there. So uh, that's the best they could think so. Remedil and bed rest and, uh, we were on our way, but it sure made me feel good. I was really worried about ACL or tendon damage or something like that, but all oh, that's okay. Um, and I used, once again, my pet's best insurance. Uh, so I just took pictures of the, uh, of the doctor's analysis and the, uh, or diagnosis and the, uh, and the bill paid, showing paid and sent them in. Uh, The check might beat me. Actually, it's auto-deposit, so maybe auto-deposit. Probably next week. So, anyway, having a vet on call and they're not on call, but knowing where a vet is and having uh, having insurance, it sure takes the pain out of a lot of a lot of uh, situations when your your dog gets hurt out here. So the next day, we had uh, Josh one had two pointers and a center and Josh two had a uh, GSP. So Josh one had never shot a gambles, neither had Josh two. So we took off and we went out to find some gambles, Uh, started out at Patagonia State Park, drove through Patagonia, went out east of Sierra Vista, which is like the next valley over, it only took about an hour drive to go over there and uh, found some gambles quail. Josh one got a double on his first uh, gambles flush and uh, he was excited. It was all get out. He shoots a 28 side-by-size. I'm kind of a bragger. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a great guy. And, uh, but he did get a double. We got pictures of it. And uh, Congratulations all the way around. Josh, too, got his first, Gambles. And uh, Steve, uh, with his, uh, he has a wire hair pointing graffon. And um, was pointing, uh, working real close to him and working great. And uh, found a few cubbies. He ended up knocking one down as well. And so everybody got birds, everybody got uh saw Murns or got merns, and everybody got uh gamble. So it was a real, real nice hunt. It was a real pleasure, that park is a pleasure, and uh we finished up that hunt with uh, just uh you know, everybody was just happy, thoroughly happy. And uh what a great time to go hunting out there in January. I just thought that was a great thing. So one other item I thought I'd talk about is what are we using for shotguns. You know, you can hunt burns with uh, seven and a half, and eight shot. They're not a real tough bird, and generally they, uh, you can shoot them pretty close. So it open choke. But when you're hunting gambles and you're hunting blue quail, they're all the same kind of bad. I hunt them with six shot, high brass, and improved cylinder, and uh, in my over hundred that I hunt with them. So. I I highly recommend that. Uh, I know people use seven and a half shot on uh, losing gambles. Uh, Typically that'll break a wing for sure and get them on the ground, but uh, I sure like them them dead when they hit, because otherwise they'll crawl into a hole or or just run away from you like a pheasant, I guess. Sometimes you lose them. So anyway, that's pretty much what I use for shot out here in uh, the Southwest. So, thanks for listening. I know it wasn't, I didn't interview anybody, but I'm going to get back to that. Uh, I've got some people lined up later on. So, stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed uh, the points I was trying to make on this hunt. Um, uh, The sun's going down. I'm coming into town. So, I'll go ahead and wrap this up. Be sure and go to my blog, abirdhuntersthoughts.com. You can uh, send me an email or a message on that. There's a full message form there. You can send me an email if you want. Um, and uh, I did post a uh, there's a post new post on the blog as of last week it's uh, called Ghosts and it's about uh, hunting your favorite areas and remembering your last dog so uh, go ahead and enjoy that and uh, be sure to like, subscribe and share and I appreciate you guys thank you very much